Hey everyone, welcome back to the Health Hack Podcast. My name is Andy Kraft. And I'm Aaron Kraft. And we are back with a new format this year. There are a lot of things happening in the world of health. So today in this week's headlines, we're going to cover a quick recap of the major health headlines in 2021, an update on uh, Omicron and the vaccine, uh, depression and social media use, and uh, a new vaccine coming out potentially to stop aging, and uh, five reasons to stop with the juice cleanses. So Aaron, why don't you kick us off with the uh, 2021 rewind? Yeah, so starting things off on a bad note here, uh, 2021 was not the year everybody expected. I mean, looking back, you know, a year ago, you'll recall at the end of December of 2020, people were actually happy. There, there was hope. There was renewal for a new year of a, a fresh start, you know, new new year, new you, new president. Everyone was excited. That all came to an end very quickly. Um, six days is all it took for that, that <laughs> hope and renewal and excitement to come to a, a, a crashing halt. So, and, and things got only worse from there. So it didn't end, um, it didn't get better. It, it, six days is all it took. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go month by month here and just and do the top highlights. This is health specific. It's not, you know, tons of other things happen, but this is kind of in the health realm. Obviously a lot of this weights towards COVID stuff, but we mix in other things here too. So uh, January is when, of 2021, is when the COVID variants began to emerge um, and we're on to Omicron now. So we've made our way through most of the Greek alphabet and that's kind of all started back in January. In February, COVID cases kind of hit an all-time low or at least a five-month low. It was kind of people started to think it was ending, thought it was over, um, and Everyone was kind of in a good mood there. Some of the restrictions started to lighten up, less masking. Crowds were able to gather in in most cities at that point. Um, So in March, things were looking a little bit better. Then we go into April. Things also looked a little bit better here with vaccines. They became widely available for everybody. So I think it was 18 and up could get it at this point. But everybody almost had access at that point. Um, and then in May, this is non-COVID stuff. So this is had, had to do with Nestle, um, the food company. There was a leaked report that showed that over 60% of their food and beverage products failed to, remi- failed to meet the recognized definition of health, which is not super surprising, but um, just kind of gives you a little peek into the big food industry there. Then in June, the first Alzheimer's drug in 20 years was approved by the FDA. That's exciting news, but there was kind of some major backlash there on on that. Um, I think it's still going to market as of now. Yeah, I know there was some pushback because there's some pushback with the efficacy of it and the cost of it, um, but I believe that's still proceeding. Okay. I haven't heard anything further, yeah. So then July... COVID is back. Uh, This is when the Delta variant uh, became dominant in the U.S. Restrictions went back into place and all that. You know the story. In August, um, non-COVID stuff again here. There's a a, a report or some research out on the uh, how how much ultra-processed foods are consumed. And for most children and teens, I believe this was in the U.S., two-thirds of their diet were shown to relate to highly processed foods, which is an absurd number of food coming from, you know, boxes. So 
uh, more kind of insight into the big, big food industry there and how much they've impacted children and their health. Then we go into September, and this is about Purdue Pharma. So Purdue Pharma, uh, they are kind of known to be the, the the major cause of the opioid epidemic. And the Sackler family is the the founder of Purdue Pharma, and they were very highly responsible for for the uh, for the opioid ep- epidemic. If you haven't seen the show Dope Sick, it's kind of a dramatization of that story. And then there is a Hulu documentary called. HBO documentary. HBO. Dope Sick is on Hulu. The HBO documentary is uh, Crime of the Century. Yeah. So both of those give a good overview of the epidemic. And uh, there's a, I think it was recently just released. There's an eight hour, uh, like Richard Sackler's deposition, like his Mm -hmm. statement or testimony. And it is just, it's, uh, it's, it's hilarious but it's also just extremely frustrating because he doesn't answer anything They're, they may ask him a question like do you sit on the board of this company and he says i do not know not to my knowledge it's like he yeah. says that for like everything but yeah anyway so and in september they basically won immunity in all those lawsuits they they were not held criminally responsible for all of those deaths but they did have to give up their i think their stakes in purdue pharma which you know for them they already have millions if not billions of dollars in their pockets so really they kind of got let off the hook here um but that was later reversed because basically the family got personal immunity like they could not be held personally liable um back in september and i i believe just a few weeks ago that was actually reversed Mm -hmm. the court kind of reversed and said no that's that's not going to fly you can't get immunity so we'll see what happens yeah so that's still kind of up in the air um october then this is another vaccine a non-covid vaccine is the the first ever malaria vaccine was announced by the who again i think this is still uh in progress but it was announced and and signs are positive for that so we'll see where that goes this year in november back to the opioid epidemic this is a, a crazy number and a crazy stat here but opioid overdoses were named the leading cause of death for all americans ages 18 to 45. um that's absurd Mm -hmm. Um, that's an insane number of people who have died and you wouldn't even know that the media barely covered that you'd think that covid was the number one death for this age group but no it's it's opioid overdose for ages 18 to 45 a very sad stat there and hopefully there's some improvements there on those numbers as we head into the next year and then lastly december closing it out new kid on the block omicron becomes the variant of interests um, the positive news there is that it does seem to be not very deadly. Not, it seems to be mainly a cold at this point. So hopefully kind of the symptoms of that remain as they are and that COVID just continues to become less and less dangerous as it progresses. So that's kind of a recap there of all the health stuff in 2021. Uh, let's hope that 2022 is a little bit better. Yeah. A lot of crazy headlines. I don't think anybody could have predicted all that was going to happen no so, i mean same thing yeah. with 2020 and so who knows what 2022 holds but we'll be there to report on it speaking of covid let's get into some data on um omicron we'll touch on omicron at the end of this segment but first i want to talk about myocarditis we had put out uh, in our newsletter a study out of the uk done by the university of oxford conducted by the university of oxford published in nature medicine I mean, peer-reviewed journal, like this is legit. This is not, um, you know, some data put together on like, 
you know, QAnon.freedom or something. Like this is like a legit, legit study that looked at rates of myocarditis, which is heart inflammation from people that receive the vaccine versus uh, from people who had COVID. There's a risk of myocarditis in both of those. And um, this study initially found that they looked at all, they didn't break it up by male and female. And that was kind of the, uh, one of the criticisms of this study. But just recently, last week, they actually came out and they released data separating male and female. So what was really interesting is if you just look at the initial data that came out, all of the vaccines had less rates of myocarditis than COVID, but with the exception of Moderna. Those that received a second dose of Moderna within 28 days had a higher risk of myocarditis than those who had COVID. And it actually looks even worse when you break it up into male and female. So specifically, males under 40 after receiving a second dose of Moderna had a risk of myocarditis of about 1 in 10,000. Now compare that same de demographic to the risk of myocarditis from COVID. That's about 1 in 143,000. So a much, still a overall low risk, but a much greater risk um, of myocarditis from receiving two doses of Moderna after 28 days for men under 40. And this, this confirms data from another study that we talked about. Uh, it was an Ontario study that looked at rates of myocarditis. And um, there does seem to be something with young men who receive Moderna within like 30 days. It's not great for myocarditis when compared to myocarditis from COVID. So all that is to say, I think there needs to be a more nuanced conversation around personalizing this. Like if, you, if you're going to push vaccines or especially if you're going to mandate vaccines, there's got to be some nuance to the risk here. I mean, that's how we deal with anything with medicine. You you individualize your dosage. The dosage isn't the same for anyone. You look at the data, you say, okay, where, what is the risk and reward for this specific demographic? And if you look at Moderna for men under 40, mm, you know, it, it doesn't look great for myocarditis. So maybe, maybe, you know, gear, gear men under 40 towards, you know, a different, um, regimen. And that conversation is generally not allowed to happen. You know, right now it seems to be that you can't you know, question anything. Everyone should receive all the vaccines, mix and match however you want. But the data shows different risk uh, profiles for the demographic. So thought that was interesting. Um, we'll see how that that doesn't even include the booster. So we'll see what what comes out from um, the boosters on that. Um, but speaking of boosters, Israel also just approved their fourth dose. Um, so they are allowing or recommending a fourth vaccine dose for immune compromised. So I'll, I'll read. There's the New York Times article that's interesting. It said, panel of experts advising the Israeli government on the pandemic recognized uh, the, the uncertainty of a fourth, fourth vaccine. Um, but on Tuesday, it recommended giving a fourth dose, concluding that the potential benefit outweighed the risks. Um, it put, pointed to signs of waning immunity a few months after the third shot and said that any delay in additional doses might prove too late to protect those most at risk. And this was triggered by Omicron. But what was interesting is that some scientists are actually pushing back on this, saying that too many shots may actually cause uh, immune system fatigue and could actually compromise the body's ability to fight the virus. Um, and a few members of the, the Israeli government's advisory panel raised that concern um, with respect to the elderly, saying it actually may do more harm than good. Um, but Israel went ahead anyway. And I don't know. I will. Well, I guess we'll see the research on this as it comes out. But what's 
a little alarming about like these additional boosters, Pfizer's recommending a fourth dose is that there really is no research on additional doses. You know, at least with the first two rounds of the vaccine, there was some data, like millions of people were tested and um, we at least had something. Here, it's just, we're just recommending mixing and matching anything, just go get any vaccine at any time and, you know, enjoy your little vaccine platter, but with, with no research behind it. So, I don't know. I think uh, I, I hope that, you know, more more research is done on how boosters actually impact immunity. Um, yeah, I think I think the, the main concerning thing here is, is men under 40, like what the booster, especially the Moderna booster, what that means for them. We, we just don't know at this point. And just the two shots already is a little murky. So, um, yeah, it's a little concerning and there's not been much, much discussion on that. It just get your third booster no matter what. So hopefully a little bit more uh, kind of clarity comes out on that. Yeah. But speaking of kind of murkiness and clarity, uh, let's go into the next segment here. So this this is about kind of depression and social media, how the two um, relate to each other, specifically specifically in adults. Most of the research has been centered around children, and it's been, uh, I mean, not fully confirmed, but there's been tons of links between depression um, and social media use in children. But adults are usually excluded from these studies. So there's actually one done where they did include, or they did it only on adults ages over 18. And um, they did find that um, it use of social media had associated significantly greater risk of increased self-reported depressive symptoms. So the same uh, correlation was found there. It interestingly was a little different based upon the type of social media used. So, and the ages, so like TikTok and Snapchat, had correlations with depressive symptoms among ages 35 and older, but not for ages 35 and younger. That's interesting. And then Facebook had associations with depressive symptoms for those under 35, but not older than for 35. So I don't know how you interpret that, what that means specifically, why those are kind of different for each type of social media, but there are differences in, in what app you use and how old you are. I wonder, this is just me speculating, I wonder if... Because Facebook, people associate that with with older people. I wonder Mm -hmm. if younger people on social media, they don't feel like they're in their crowd. You know, Mm. they're dealing with a lot of boomers on Facebook and maybe they just feel like I'm not resonating with these people. This is not my crowd. Where younger people on TikTok and Snapchat, it's like, oh, these are my people. Where older people on TikTok, they may feel out of the loops. I don't know. That's just a theory. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, that that definitely could be it. so, I mean, we, we have tons of research on this. We're getting more research with adults, but even with all these trends identified, there's still not a clear connection here. Like we don't know if depressed people just happen to use social media more or does use, using social media actually cause depression. Um, all of these studies are observational. They're also self-reported. And there's actually a review done of, they took 47 studies and looked at um, kind of how accurate they were in the self-reporting. I don't know how they did that, but they basically determined that the self-reporting of how much social media was used was was very inaccurate. So there's correlations here. We just don't know exactly how social media impacts mental health. And it's kind of scary because social media has been around for so long. We still just don't know the impact of it at this point. And the reason I want to highlight this is because We've really, as a society, barely scratched the surface on social media. Um, like we, we've heard, you've probably heard at this point, terms like metaverse, web three, blockchain, and how these technologies are going to alter life as we know it. 
And the fact that we barely have a handle on the technology we have now, it's really only going to progress from here. So all that to say is just the importance of, of self-awareness with how social media interactions affects you personally, because it's only going to kind of progress from here. So I thought those studies were interesting. Lots of unknown still, but you know, overall there, there is a correlation of depression and social media use in adults. So just know what that means for you specifically. Yeah. Yeah. I think again, it comes down to personalization, knowing yourself, your own mental health and, uh, you know, constructing your social media usage around that. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of, I don't know, boomers, uh, <laughs> there's a new aging vaccine in the works. So Japanese scientists are in the process of developing a vaccine to eliminate cells behind aging. Uh, I feel like, I don't know if it's just because we've been more in tune with the the health news now, but I feel like there's now a vaccine for like everything. Yeah. There's just feeling tired, you know, vaccine for that. Stressed out, here's a cortisol vaccine. Starting to question science, vaccine coming for that. So it just, there just seems to be vaccine for everything. But this one uh, specifically is targeting senescent cells. So senescent cells are basically cells that stop replicating and they can cause but they don't die off and they can cause damage to other healthy cells so as we age we see an increase in these senescent cells i believe senescent actually comes from a latin word for old old man um but these senescent cells cause issues and they can just spread dna continue to spread dna damage around the body creating a whole host of issues related to aging, like arterial stiffening, diabetes, other age-related diseases. And so this vaccine, what it does, it identifies a protein that is found in senescent cells and the antibodies attach themselves to those senescent cells, which they're able to identify based on the specific protein in senescent cells. And then it, it removes, it removes the antibodies basically remove the, um, those cells and, and kills them off. This was done in mice. The, this current study uh, was done in mice, and they found that um, accumulated senescent cells were removed, and a lot of the areas affected by the disease shrank. And when this vaccine was administered to aged mice, their frailty progression was slower than that of unvaccinated mice. Again, it's just mice. Who knows how this is going to apply to humans? Um, but I'll be curious to see if uh, we're going to have these uh, you know, aging shots that keep us young we'll uh we'll see yeah i saw there is a, a vaccine a potential vaccine coming out for uh, this actually seems really helpful for dog allergies so people who have dog allergies they 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 found some kind of evidence to start the works on a vaccine to i guess cure that for some people so that'd be interesting to see interesting yeah no i mean i think there's definitely like some good good uses out there um they're actually in the process of developing a like a vaccine or an, an mRNA treatment for uh, MS. Mm, my wife okay. has MS, so that applies to me. And I'll be I'll be curious to see what comes of that. Uh, so as we move into the new year, uh, a lot of people are kind of coming up with New Year's resolutions. That's the thing to do. The most common is more exercise, eat better. You know, some people want to to read more or have less screen time. 90% of people aren't going to stick to it. You see the gym get filled up um, this time of year, obviously, unless you're in New York or California, and then they just start to fizzle out. And this is a common trend. 
But what's what's interesting is a recent study from the University of Elements said that there is one New Year's resolution that is most consistently kept, and that is drinking more electrolytes. So this this was fascinating. 100% of people who purchased a subscription of Element from drinkelementy.com slash health hack kept their New Year's resolution of staying hydrated with electrolytes through 2021. So this is basically a guaranteed way to keep your New Year's resolution. You know, when you, when you see a lot of other people giving up the gym or giving up the diet or, you know, getting getting hooked back on the cable news, you can still go strong with your New Year's resolution because you got a subscription for Element from Health Act. So get your electrolytes, stay hydrated, keep your resolutions, and go to drinklmt.com slash health to get started now. All right, let's move into our next segment here. And this is the the fail of the week. So what do, what do you have here for us, Andy? Well, yeah, this actually relates to New Year's resolution. So one of the biggest trends uh, around New Year's resolutions or really just dieting in general is juice cleanses or like detox diets. Have you ever done a juice cleanse? I have not, no. no. Okay. I've done just like a fasting, just normal fasting, but no, no juice cleanse. Yeah. So juice cleanse, it's basically you only consume fruit and veggie juice for like three to five days, no solids. And this is supposed to kickstart your you know, uh, kickstart your weight loss journey and and reset the gut and detox everything. Apparently the liver isn't good enough for detoxing. So, you know, people have made up this juice cleanse thing and a lot of people, there's been a lot of pushback on it recently, but if you go to hashtag juice cleanse on TikTok, it is an absolute dumpster fire, just terrible, terrible advice. You know, people malnourished teens drinking cucumber juice for a week. It's just, it's not pretty. So, Again, a lot of people think that this is going to kickstart their new year or kickstart their way into a diet. And uh, there hasn't been a ton of research specifically on this, but there was a a 2017 review of fad diets. And they found that juicing or uh, detoxification diets in general um, tend to work temporarily because they lead to extremely low caloric intake for short periods of time. I mean, you're basically starving yourself for a few days. However, they tend to lead to weight gain once a normal diet is resumed. So they do not last. They do not work for the long term. I mean, if you know anyone who started a juice cleanse, guarantee you they went off the rails within two weeks. And I speak for myself because I did it in college and same thing happened. I lasted for like a day and a half and then I just binged. And so here here are some problems with with juicing uh, or detox diets. Number one, probably the most important is they fail to develop uh, like healthy, sustainable, long-term eating habits. So you get in this cycle, this discouraging cycle of just starvation and indulgence. You know, you just, you starve yourself and you're not used to doing that because you're used to eating whatever you want, whatever you want. And you go into this like starvation mode and that jacks up your hormones. You feel like crap. And, and you deprive yourself of key nutrients, which can uh, lead to nutritional deficiencies, especially if you are eating crap before that. You're going to feel terrible going into this juice cleanse. You're going to have fatigue, headaches. Um, also, you, it could lead to electrolyte imbalances. And especially if you weren't imbalanced, if you weren't balanced before, and then you just go into this mode where you're just drinking a ton of liquids and you're not getting any electrolytes, that's going to cause issues. And it actually could potentially lead to kidney issues um, by drinking a ton of like spinach and beetroots, vegetables that contain a high amount of oxalates. This can cause, potentially cause some kidney issues. 
Um, another reason not to do it. And then they're just, they're expensive. Like you see all these claims, these juice cleanse claims, uh, these little subscriptions that you can get or from your local juicery. And they're hundreds of dollars, literally hundreds of dollars for crap. So basically, in most cases, they do more harm than good. And this time of year is when a lot of people do them. I think there are some people at at my gym that are going to do a juice cleanse. And I think it's different if you already have healthy eating habits. I know the the ladies at my gym that were going to do it, like they they eat well. I think it's different when you go into like a doing a juice fast. When you're at a place where you already have healthy eating habits, you already eat well, and you just want to go into this um, for whatever, like I mean, a uh, a liquid only fast or like a bone broth fast, you know, you, that can that can help with some gut healing. But that's coming from a place of of already well established eating habits. If you go into this thinking that this is going to get you on track, and you have no good sustainable habits in place before that. Don't think it's going to work out well for you. So instead of trying to kick off 2022 with uh, you know a cleanse, just pick one small habit that you, know, that you can continue to stick with. That could just be like pacing your eating. Like set, some people just uh, one one little thing you could do is just set your utensil down in between bites so that you, you allow the food to digest. Or just make one one meal at home per day, something like that. So a lot of options, but look, the juice, the juice cleanse, I don't think is the uh, is not the fast track to health like it's uh it's thought to be. Yeah, I think anything in, in nutrition, it can there's a good way and a bad way to do it. Like, you know, the carnivore diet, the vegan diet, plant-based diet, those can be healthy for you in certain cases, but you have to be smart about it and you have to know what you're doing. Um yeah, a juice cleanse is not just a, 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 a an easy fix and it's not going to jumpstart you into a healthy life. So, just be smart about it. All right. I think that's all of the big stuff for this week. We're going to wrap up with a, a weekly plug, kind of shout out something uh, for you guys to check out this week. Um, I'll kick it off here with, I guess, a podcast and or book uh, called Bad Blood. And it is about Elizabeth Holmes and kind of her journey with Theranos. If you haven't heard about that, um, check it out. It's a really interesting story. Um, Bad Blood is called is the podcast. It kind of documents the whole journey from start to finish, and and then the book is also called called Bad Blood. You'll be hooked immediately on either of those. So whether you like to read or listen, both you're going to be hooked on, and you're going to want to binge those. So check those out. Um, she is on trial right now, currently for basically potentially defrauding the company or um, fraud and conspiracy. Those are her charges. She's facing eleven charges. And the trial's almost over. Jurors are in deliberation now. They've been in deliberation for like six days. So I think they come back. They're off for the holiday. So I think on January 3rd, they come back. So her fate will soon be decided, probably sometime this coming week. Um, there's also going to be a movie. on. I think Apple TV is coming out with a movie about this. And then Hulu is coming out with a TV series about this. So lots of content there to cover. Um, but check that out. Bad blood. Yeah, Elizabeth Holmes. We, w- we wish her well. <laughs> um, all right. My plug is for something I've mentioned on here before, and that is a online community called The Healthy Rebellion. This is started by a guest we had on our podcast about last year at this time, Rob Wolf. <clears throat> He's big in the, the paleo and CrossFit community, and he has created an online platform called The Healthy Rebellion. 
just a lot of good people on there. A lot of people that are really interested in bettering themselves, not only from a nutritional perspective, but from fitness, mental health, um, personal development. And I mean, it's free form discussion there. So um, you can really go there and they kind of have these different groups. You can talk about anything. I mean, it's healthy. It's health oriented. And I have, I have gotten so much out of that. Now you do have to pay for it. I think it's like 30 bucks a month or something, which it sounds expensive, but like it is a hundred percent worth it. Like as my wife was pregnant, I asked so many questions on there and got a ton of different feedback and people citing studies. Rob will sometimes respond to me directly. And I've just, I've gotten so much out of that group, people posting recipes and uh, a lot of smart, smart, encouraging, um, good people on that community. So if you have an extra $30 a month and that sounds something interesting to you, check it out. Uh, the Healthy Rebellion, great community. All right. Thank you guys for joining us and we'll, we will be back next week.